Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com NFL Strategy Show, Wednesday edition. Talking chalk, pivots, of course, the biggest thing in today's deep world of NFL DFS, top stacks. We're breaking it all down. We've got it all updated at AwesomeO.com. Ownership projections, good to go. First run of them and top stacks. All of that, we'll be sure to reference it throughout the next hour. I'm Dave Lockren. Joining me as they do every Wednesday, Matt Kajeski. Kyle Dvorak, follow these fellas at Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter and at Kyle tweets here. You can follow me at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. Kyle, not nearly as much of a bloodbath as it was in week two, but a few guys still came up lame following week three. We're going to talk about all of it. And a matter of fact, we've got, it appears that Vegas is beginning to make some adjustments for some of these totals. Uh, a ton of games soaring uh, or eclipsing that 50 the fifty point mark for the over-under. Uh, and in our initial run of ownership, man, we got a number of players soaring above 30% as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way the NFL is panning out right now and the way that's kind of affected DFS. We've seen both rushing and receiving or passing, obviously, at all-time highs, both both marks in terms of touchdowns, yards, uh, you know, completions, basically every way you cut it. Like offense as a whole, not just passing, is through the roof. But that's really only translated to chalky quarterback and wide receivers hitting at a high rate. The, the chalky running backs haven't done nearly as well. And you typically think of, well, fade the chalky wide receivers because there's so much variance in a wide receiver play. And you go with like fine with taking the chalk running backs. That dynamic, and it's only been three weeks, so let's not overreact too much. But that dynamic is kind of flipped. And I, I think at least there has to be some or there should be some amount of staying power to that dynamic because we've seen so many teams transition to committee backs. We don't have these like, you know, 400 carry backs as much. So we've seen more committee backs, but more rushing output. That means that kind of no name Jeff Wilson's are going to end up doing better. And their receiving production and the passing production has just been concentrated on the easiest plays. Just jam in your Cardinals every week, jam in your Russell Wilson stacks every week. It's not been hard to pick out the good plays at receiver. And I think that has some staying power. I don't know if we're going to see as bad of chalk bus in terms of running backs, but I think that dynamic is going to at least be a little different this year. Yeah. Good points for sure. And, and there's a couple of variables there. Like in one, on one hand, Derek Henry two weeks ago, generally speaking, doesn't seed all of those touchdowns to four Ryan Tannehill passes in the red zone. 
Uh, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't see three rushing touchdowns to Dak all the time. So I think there's definitely outliers, but there's no doubt that what you're saying is legitimate. There are more uh, backfield committees and you've got guys like Kenyon Drake, Matt, that really aren't seeing uh, an ex extensive work in the passing game. I heard you guys prior to the show talk about, I think it was Jonathan Taylor who is essentially useless in the passing game or he see here's the thing though he has been for the last two weeks in week one he was peppered as a pass catching target so it, it's kind of tough to figure out what's happened now and what's going to happen in the future and I do think we need to take somewhat of a nuanced approach in terms of okay well three weeks in maybe this guy hasn't done a lot in this phase of the offense but it doesn't mean he can't and contrary to that certain guys have done a lot maybe as pass catchers and it doesn't mean they will going forward either I agree. I, I think to the overall scoring, if you look back to, you know, the 2011 season, which also had a short off season because of the lockout, that was also a historic year for scoring. So I don't know, maybe there's something going on with these defenses, not having enough time to prepare as far as guys like Drake, we're still just dealing with such small sample sizes. There's a lot of players you can potentially buy low on right now. Drake maybe hasn't seen the target share that we thought he would. He's getting out targeted 11 to five by Chase Edmonds. But he's still running more routes. He's out there on 48% of Murray's dropbacks compared to 35% for Edmonds. It's similar to the Zeke stat you mentioned, the Derrick Henry stat you mentioned. I think in the long run, these things will kind of normalize a little bit. I think they will too. They have to, to some extent. But there's no doubt that the aerial attack is here to stay. It has been evolving that way over the past couple of years. And it's only been more exaggerated this season. But yeah, I mentioned to Ben on yesterday's show and the first look show, eight teams are allowing... 30 plus points per game through three weeks. Are we going to see that stabilize? I'm sure we will. I can't imagine that at the end of the year, after one team allowed 30 plus points per game last year, that eight or nine or 10 this season uh, are, are going to sustain that type of just complete um, their Swiss cheese defense. But it, it has been very interesting. And I say, Matt, uh, Kyle, let's just dive right into the chalk here. You mentioned chalk running backs, not panning out the way that, that many of the, the wide receivers and quarterbacks have this season. David Johnson, yes, he's he's played a ton of snaps over his last two games, 95-plus percent in back-to-back -back contests. He's had a very tough draw, three weeks of tough matchups. They've played from behind in two of them and then had to face a stout Pittsburgh defense last week. But he's coming in at 42% projected ownership on DraftKings right now. That I, I know he's cheap. But, man, that is a ton of ownership on a 13-game slate for a running back who's shown some flashes this season. But, God, what does he need to do to be worthwhile at that percent? Yeah, he needs to score multiple times. And I think the way I would approach it is I'd be much more comfortable, maybe sticking with the trend I was talking about, I'd be much more comfortable eating some of that quarterback chalk with Deshaun Watson, who's projected fairly chalky, but his receivers are like fairly reasonable. Like I think they're hanging around like single, like low single or double digits, low double digit ownership, like a 10 to 15% for both Fuller and Cooks, who both have had, I think, tied at 16, uh, 16 targets apiece, I believe, and both have fairly deep ADOTs, which is not surprising. That's the kind of players they are. But that gives them a lot of upside, and it does work as the perfect leverage play over, over David Johnson, who, as you said, that ownership, like, he's a good play. I don't doubt it. That ownership is absurd to me, and when I can get the receivers on this team for a fraction of the ownership, I'm just going to be pivoting there. I don't mind eating quarterback chalk, and we've seen it hit week in and week out. I, again, like you said, these things will regress. I don't think the receiver chalk is going to just smash every single week and same with the quarterbacks. 
But I do think it's fairly easy to predict that the Texans have had a run of like miserable matchups for Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. Even the Kansas City Chiefs defense, we've seen them. They look quite good. Now they get this Vikings defense. This is just uh, this is going to be an incredible game. Isn't the Vikings right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I saw you. I thought I saw you shake your head. I was like, "Oh no, did I just?" Oh, make no, no, no. <laughs> I, was I was I was nodding my head in agreement because this Vikings defense is they're bad, entirely ill-equipped to play professional football right now. <laughs> yeah, they're I, they're God. terrible. I think they're the number twenty-seven ranked coverage unit by PFF, the number thirty-two overall defense. They can't tackle anybody. Like you said, they, they don't look like professionals out there. They're an amateur team right now on the, on the defensive side. It's bad. And, you know, Matt, they lost Anthony Barr as well, who was a staple to that defense. That's not going to make things any better. Uh, they continue to have guys drop. The secondary was already beat up. A ton of turnover coming off of last season. I, I get liking David Johnson. Don't get me wrong. It's totally understandable. But, you know, if you if you were to take last week as an example, too, think, these guys are not a lock. No one's ever – I remember someone in chat last week during our Wednesday show saying – you know, these two players are locked, one of them being Miles Sanders. And guess what? That's not always the case. So we had so many quality alternatives, quality pivots in that price range. Take Austin Eckler, for example, who we mentioned on this show. Like, there are always going to be pivots on a 13-game slate. So don't we have to at least look a range of outcomes and probabilities here that David Johnson doesn't have that ceiling game, that he doesn't pay off his salary and look towards guys in a similar price range that can do exactly what he's doing and just simply aren't getting nearly as much attention? There's a lot of players in this price range that are seeing even more work than him just yeah. on a touch-for-touch basis. I mean, you have Clyde Edwards-Solaire. They're a team that's favored, should be playing with positive game script, a guy seeing increasingly more work in the past game. You have Mike Davis. I mean, I don't know what this guy, what he did to just take all those targets that Christian McCaffrey wasn't getting. Same price range. Kenyon Drake, same price range. Joe Mixon, a fantastic matchup. You want to talk about a guy who's had some tough matchups. Joe Mixon now gets the Jaguars. There's plenty of options in this range. Yeah. Adam Mothers makes a great point in chat. He says Vikings are not the only team that can't play defense. No, you're right. And, and and that's been pretty evident throughout the beginning of the season, Kyle. And we're starting with running backs here just because some of them are the by far the chalkiest at any position. We'll get into quarterbacks in a minute, and I'll tell you uh, why I'm probably – I'm leaving the reservation at quarterback this, this week. You talked about eating the chalk. I will be doing that with certain players. And I think Deshaun Watson is a good example of someone at 16 or 17%. Just logically, there's no reason to completely want to get away from that, especially given the David Johnson ownership. But there are some really, really low on quarterbacks and high projected high scoring games that I will be taking stabs at. So we'll get to that momentarily. But when you look at the rest of the running back position, uh, Matt already mentioned it, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 24%. I think he should be higher owned than David Johnson, but he's not. He's averaging a ton of opportunities every single week. Uh, and he hasn't exactly had the easiest draw from a defensive standpoint in some of these games. Uh, Mike Davis, 5,700. Uh, Kenyon Drake, another one who's been chalky. He's cheap. He's got a, a very solid draw against the Carolina team that ranks bottom two in run defense on pro football focus as well. Maybe last. Uh, so, there, there certainly are some options here. And, I, and I'll throw one more at you and let you run with it, Kyle. Joe Mixon is in there at $200 north 
of David Johnson. He's getting about 25, 26% less projected ownership right now against the Jacksonville team that proved themselves uh, inadequate last week against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins. So what are you seeing here? Yeah. So you, you touched on one that I want to, I want to go a little deeper on is Kenyon Drake. So the, the receiving production hasn't been great. He's been out targeted by Chase Edmonds, but on the ground, and that's how you want to attack this Carolina defense on the ground. He's seen over 80% of the backfield carries. He's over 200 yards. He's got like 54, I believe carries on the season. He is absolutely their guy as a pure rusher, you know, between the tackles. And we saw last year, he can be fairly, it can be very efficient, very electric in that role. We want to attack Carolina with our running backs. And I do think it makes sense as a pivot off of, you know, Kyler Murray, who, who could be fairly popular this week and off of DeAndre Hopkins, who deserves to be fairly popular this week. If he scores two times, three times on the ground, that probably means none of the rest of his team is getting there. And we can fairly predict that he's probably not going to get there through the air. So he kind of acts as a direct leverage play off of his own teammates because he really only has a chance at scoring as a rusher, as opposed to as a pass catcher. So I would say Kenyon Drake out of all of these guys in, in a similar price range, to David Johnson, I, I'm just, I'm looking for ways to pivot off David Johnson. 42 ownership is absurd. 42% ownership is just absurd. As you said, none of these guys are locks. Absolutely none of them. Everything could break perfectly for him. Like it did for Jonathan Taylor last week, except it broke too perfectly. And he was basically seeding work to Jordan Wilkins by the second half. Things can happen that make these, even the like smart plays, David Johnson, quite a smart play. I get why people are on him. Things can happen at 42% ownership. Kenyon Drake, I'll be taking him over David Johnson all day. I mean, isn't Miles Sanders a perfect example of things can happen? He got an extra freaking quarter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and just refused to run the football. He, yep. he, had, he had an efficient game. It, this isn't to say that Miles Sanders didn't play well. Um, he did. He played well. He, uh, here, here's a perfect way to look at it too. Carson Wentz missed him on, uh, uh, I think it was a wheel route down the the left sideline. Oh, that was horrible, horrible. Right, so it was a what, he was wide was open for a touchdown. What was that? 50, 50 yard receiving touchdown. It would have been. That? It would have been. Yeah. Right. Yep. 50, 55 yard receiving touchdown. Boom. He finished with twelve fantasy points. If he catches that, that's twelve points right there. There you go. You got it. Like Miles Sanders' play looks great. One play can be the difference between a very big week and a very disappointing week. Uh, and we have to keep that in mind. So, uh, yeah, it's a good conversation to have when it comes to specifically running backs, but really any position. And, hey, I see you guys at chat, a couple of people asking about uh, MLB. The MLB show, because we don't want to do a ton of movement and throw people out of whack since this is an 11 a.m. show every day. Uh, the MLB show aired right before this, so you could go to uh, the Osmo YouTube channel and you can catch that now if you're looking to get in before that noon lock time. And, hey, we're happy to have all you guys with us. If I hadn't mentioned that yet, hit that thumbs up. Helps us out greatly. It's the easiest way to help support us here at Osmo. Um, we'll get the pivots in a bit, but let's stick, with, uh, let's stick with the chalk and go to quarterbacks for a minute, Matt. There are... There are a few of them that are popping right now. Nothing outrageous. Deshaun Watson is, is at the top. Cam Newton is at the top. And then it's really quite flat from like Dak Prescott all the way down to Teddy Bridgewater from around 9% down to six. Is this a week where you think we can get away from some of the popular options at quarterback? Uh, or should we have a tight rotation of quarterbacks? Should we have a, a mix and come in flat with exposures? What are you seeing? 
unlike last week, you know, last week, I think we had the very clear game that we wanted to stack. And then every game after that, we were looking at totals around 50, but mostly below 50 points. This week, we have eight games with totals above 50 points. And By the way, we nailed we nailed the Bills going off. We just got every player that scored touchdowns wrong. <laughs> so we, we have eight games with a 50-point total or greater, and then another one sitting at 49 and a half. Part of this, like you guys mentioned at the top, is more scoring overall in the NFL. But it's also, there's a lot of teams in really good matchups. So to your point, spreading out ownership, I think it makes a lot of sense. And even <clears throat> going outside those top six, there's plenty of good options. You you even have a guy like Joe Burrow who's in that 49 and a half point total game against a terrible Jacksonville team who's throwing the ball about 50 times a game. Also gives you some rushing chops. You you have Lamar Jackson at 1.1 ownership right now. I mean, I can't remember the last time we saw Lamar Jackson that low owned. He's very expensive. You certainly have to pay for him and there's a chance they absolutely blow Washington out. But 1.1% ownership for Lamar Jackson is a bit shocking. Yeah, okay. So it appears you and I are on identical pages coming into this week. I do think after this preliminary run of ownership throughout the week, we're going to start seeing some adjustments with, with these guys coming up a little bit. That makes sense. Uh, it's the first run. So as I always say, just a, a disclaimer here, ownership will always change throughout the week, no matter where you're looking at. I think we have the best, most accurate ownership, but once you get up to Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be more accurate. It's crazy though, Kyle. And, Listen, I'm not asking you to agree with me on this. I understand it's a little bizarre, but Baker Mayfield against Dallas, 1%. He's been terrible this season. I totally understand, but there are some opportunities here where you see, you've seen, you've seen pretty bad quarterbacks in good matchups, win the Millie maker, win tournaments, win this the $500,000 slam. I'm not ruling him out at 58. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 800 against the Dallas team that's been entirely inept uh, in terms of being able to stop opposing teams' passing games. Uh, Lamar Jackson at 1.1%, as Matt just uh, pointed out. He's going to come back, and, and I hate to play narrative here because it's, it's not necessarily a narrative, but they're going to smoke Washington. I don't see any two ways around that coming off an embarrassing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Lamar Jackson's still arguably the best fantasy quarterback in the game. Joe Burrow uh, against the Jacksonville team that, that seeded what, whatever Ryan Fitzpatrick wanted on Thursday night football. Uh, again, the list just goes on. There are a lot of a lot of spots here at sub 5% ownership, Matthew Stafford in a, in a game that has a total soaring plus uh, north of 50, uh, 50 points. Uh, and, and the saints just got carved up by the green Bay Packers. 
granted, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but there's still some 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 weaknesses there. Uh, just simply pointing out, there are a lot of low on quarterbacks right now that could make for big time game stack weapons. Yeah, so you hit on one, and I have one that is basically the exact same theory. You like Baker Mayfield. I actually like him as a player. You rag on my guy, Baker, but the dude was a killer at Oklahoma, like two of the best college seasons we've ever seen. Then comes in as a rookie, balls out. I believe it was 27 touchdowns, the most ever for a rookie passer. Didn't even play the full season. I think yeah, it was two games. games. Yeah, yeah, it was It was uh, two games that Tyrod Taylor started inexplicably. And, uh, yeah, so I like Baker Mayfield. So you don't have to tell me twice to be over the field on him. He's in a good matchup. You know, the, the Dallas defense hasn't been able to stop anyone, and they respectively put up a decent amount of points. Uh, Chase Young going to miss for Washington, I believe, so maybe a, another reason to get in on Lamar Jackson at 1%, even if it does come up to, I don't know, 2, 3. If it doubles or triples, that's still incredibly low for a guy who has 300, 100 potential, that double bonus on DraftKings. In the same vein as Baker Mayfield, a guy who I like, uh, you know, I, I think he's good. Maybe the best way to describe him is Ryan Fitzpatrick-esque. Well, let me tell you, we have Ryan Fitzpatrick in another awesome game versus Seattle, who just Love like him. Dallas. They have not been able to stop anyone. And their games, now that they're letting Russell Wilson cook, are just smashing. We saw it versus Dallas. We saw it versus uh, New England. And we saw him absolutely go off against, I believe, Falcons week one. Their games are just going to be good now that Russell Wilson cooks. And their defense is terrible. They, they can't stop anybody right now. They played some good quarterbacks. But we see, like, Brian Fitzpatrick is a good quarterback sometimes. He can be a good quarterback this week. No one's going to be on him. And I love the game environment. So in the same vein as Baker Mayfield, I love these Fun. I don't know if they're actually good, but at least fun. I think Baker Mayfield can be aggressive and grow down, go downfield, as can Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love both of these guys on the opposite side of really awesome offenses. They could be awesome in a spot. It makes me think we're going to start seeing ownership come up on these guys because the three of us did not talk about any of this prior to the show, but it seems we all have a similar train of thought. Uh, the Seahawks defense is allowing 431 passing yards per game. That's unthinkable. Now, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Dak Prescott, sure. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt, is the type of guy that can win you a tournament or the reason you come in last and everything. I think we can all embrace that type of volatility uh, because of what he can do when he gets going, especially as six-and-a-half-point dogs if they start playing from behind. Uh, by the way, Pittsburgh and Tennessee has been postponed. So, Oh, really? Yeah, the news just broke. Now, they're saying it won't be postponed for long. They're hoping to do it on Monday or Tuesday. I'm going to give you a silver lining here, Matt, not to get too off topic. How cool would another doubleheader Monday game be or Ooh. Tuesday night football for Tuesday? week four? Oh, my God. Yeah. Just assuming everybody's okay and asymptomatic and nobody's going to yep. die, a Monday night doubleheader or a Tuesday game could be pretty sweet. You're talking to a guy who wants football every single day of the week. Someone who greatly appreciates some Tuesday night Mac college football slates. I think I'd be all for, <laughs> for the pro NFL games. For sure, man. All right, let's talk about wide receivers here because we're going to come back to quarterback, but uh, there really isn't a lot of chalk there. So I just wanted to touch on that for a moment. At wide receiver, two players on the same team are coming in uh, at 20% or higher. Will this hold? I don't know. But right now, Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman are second and third at the position for a couple of reasons. One, this game is projected to, to see a lot of scoring, 54-point total. Um, the Chiefs are seven-point favorites, but at home, by the way. But also, Harry and Edelman 
have seen some pretty deflated price points on DraftKings. Harry is 4K. Edelman is 5,700. What the hell are you doing with the pass-catching weapons for the Patriots this week, Matt? I didn't like what I saw out of Nikhil Harry last week. They basically reduced his role. He only played six or he only ran a route on 68% of Cam Newton dropbacks. You know, Edelman's role, I'm when he doesn't run a full route share, I'm not as concerned just because he's dealt with some injuries. And I, I know Nikhil Harry has as well, but Nikhil Harry's targets have dropped a little bit as well. Six, 12, and four. So he has that one huge target game and then just six and four targets the rest of the way. It's still a 24.5% target share at 4K flat. Another concern is, is his average depth of target, which is right around six right now. So he's getting you those Jamison Crowder type plays. At 4K flat, I'm not sure what the upside is. There's a couple guys in this price range I think we can target instead of Nikhil Harry. Edelman I'm a, a lot more comfortable with. So am I. And like Demir, you look at someone in Demir Bird. I have no idea. I don't even want to get into it. But I, I, I have no idea what's happening with this guy. He played, he played sixty six of sixty nine offensive snaps last week. Sixty two of seventy two the week before. His production's been wildly unpredictable. Uh, and and I worry that you could see something similar with with Harry as well, Kyle. I, I guess we shouldn't spend too much time on the Patriots, but because they are getting you know this ownership right now. It wouldn't hurt to get your take on it. Are there any concerns with, with these type of numbers on these guys, especially knowing that Harry's average depth of target, his A dot is only six yards, which to me leaves me scratching my head a little bit. Yeah, that, I, I agree. Harry is not uh, a guy whose routes are particularly exciting. He hasn't looked like he isn't particularly efficient. He's not a guy who he didn't do anything as a, as a first round rookie on a team that needed a receiver so badly Everything around Harry has told me that he's just a guy who's good enough to get on the field and get like a baseline level of targets. Not awfully excited about him. Maybe you could pivot to Demir Bird, who is playing a ton of snaps. He's got like a top 15 snap share over 90%. I'm, I would bet that he leads his own team in receiving snaps. Maybe you could pivot to him. I would honestly just consider maybe going all in on Julian Edelman. Maybe the chalk, uh, like the chalk on him isn't nearly as egregious as the chalk on Nikhil Harry, who's cheap. He's going to get targets. But like he could just be not very good. Edelman coming in at lower ownership right now. And we know he has potential for like 13, 14, 15 targets and an immense target share on his team. He could just for one game crowd out anyone like Harry or Bird. So I'd feel much more comfortable eating the chalk with him. Don't love it, but I do think it's it's much better than the the Harry 25% chalk. His price is good, but I just I'm, I can't get excited about Nikhil Harry right now. That ADOT is not great. He doesn't look great as a player. And Julian Edelman is still in in the picture and running deeper routes, which is exciting for Edelman and is like inversely correlated to Harry, who's been basically just like a, a screen and slant guy, which is not great for DFS. No. And another thing with Harry is with a big bodied receiver, you would, you would really be looking to get more red zone opportunities. Do, do you think, do you think it's been over overlooked a little bit that when you have a rushing quarterback that can bring it in from the, from the one, from the five or from the 10, did it hurt somebody like Harry uh, in that respect? Yeah, I think it actually, it probably hurts everyone in the sense of you literally just have a great option to go to. You have a goal line back like, uh, you know, in Cam Newton, but you have a goal line back like they've used essentially LeGarrette Blunt or like other running uh, running backs are used like these big body running backs. That just takes away the overall pool of potential touchdowns for these receivers, whether it be Cam Newton as a rusher or even Sony Michelle, if they're going to commit to and be successful with punching in short, short yardage work, from the one, from the two, 
that like inversely correlates to both Harry and Edelman's touchdown upside. So I do think it's kind of like we see with like uh, how Dak in that one game really kind of screwed his receivers by taking three touchdowns in. That is much more predictably going to happen a lot with Cam Newton. I think it makes sense to run like he's one of the only guys who actually makes sense to run single stacks with. I think almost every other quarterback other than maybe like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, I'm always double stacking, like minimum of a double stack. And we've seen that it's back to back to back weeks of the Millie Maker winner has just been quarterback two receivers, opposing receiver, just bread and butter, getting in those double stacks with the run back. Cam Newton may be the one exception to that rule where you could see him throw his only touchdown throwing to Julian Edelman and then punch in two potentially. So for me, he's a different story than most other quarterbacks, and that does hurt his receivers. For sure. Him and him and Lamar Jackson, I throw into the mix as well. But uh yeah, Harry does have six targets inside the six or inside the 20. So it's tied for fourth in the league. Uh just hasn't been able to convert any of them, doesn't have any inside the five. What about DJ Moore though, Matt? Fifty six hundred dollars. Facing the Arizona Cardinals, 38% right now, sky-high ownership projection. Will it change? Probably, but I would imagine it's going to stay very high at this price point. Uh, he's probably going to see quite a bit of, of Patrick Patterson. That's another reason or another thing that we can get into. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll just be a mix of, of P- or sorry, Peterson. i basketball man uh Patrick Peterson or Drake Kirkpatrick I don't know what I do know is that he's getting or he's very popular right now uh coming off a pretty strong game Teddy Bridgewater just isn't someone that's going to rack up a ton of 300 yard efforts but uh it, it, it does appear that DJ Moore is going to have some solid efforts this year but based on the way this offense functions like Mike Davis getting nine targets targeted on 80 or 45 percent of his routes run last week it could take away from more. I don't know. Only four targets in that game. They played with the lead 13 prior to that nine in week one, 38% ownership right now heading into week four. I love DJ Moore. What I don't love about him is that high ownership. I mean, he's cheap. I think that's mainly what's driving this 5,600 on DraftKings. Fairly good game environment. If you're just taking uh, you know, a bird's eye view, 52 and a half point total Arizona appears to run a lot of plays. DJ Moore's target share is solid. I don't think he sees four targets every single week. There's a concern I have with this Arizona pass game and mainly the, the opponents on the other side. Arizona themselves is playing very fast, yes. They're not throwing the ball deep. Kyler Murray, he's at, he has about a 6.6, 6.5 yards per attempt. I can't remember the exact figure. But because they're already fairly run heavy, because when they are throwing, it's so shallow, they're churning clock. They're running a lot of plays themselves, but they've limited the play volume for their opponents. Their three opponents, 61, 62, and 65 plays in the three games. That's not exactly a ton of opportunities for this Carolina team, a team that we're already concerned about efficiency-wise. So at that ownership, I think I'll be out on DJ Moore. So based on everything Matt's just said, based on the ownership, Kyle, there are, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but we have 13 games, right? And uh, just looking at this now, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen 13 teams with an implied total north of 25 points. Uh, you want to add in the 24.5s and 7.5s, you're at 16 teams. There are a lot of teams projected to score a fair amount of points. Contrast that to Washington, 17, Giants, 17, uh, Chargers, 18, 7.5. 25-point implied total in a game with a 55-point over-under 
is still significant. Like just because you have 30 and, and 29 point, uh, implied point totals for teams like Kansas City and Seattle and Dallas doesn't mean we should be overlooking some of these pass catchers on teams that are involved in those games, are dogs, and still have pretty high totals. Yeah, I think so. I'm looking at our ownership right now. I have pulled up my phone, and I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling. Why the hell are all of these Dallas players so low-owned? CeeDee Lamb, under 5%. Michael Gallup blows up last week, and everyone's like, well, can't go back to him now. It's like the, the reverse of the, the gambler's fallacy or whatever. Like, I, yeah. I don't get why these Dallas players are not coming in as super popular, given that we know their offense is incredible. Uh, I believe it is top five all-time in passing yards through three weeks. Dak Prescott at uh, 1118, I believe is the number. Top right. five all-time through three weeks. He's absolutely monstrous and the only reason his receivers haven't caught more touchdowns is specifically because of the the rushing output both from Zeke and specifically from that Dak Prescott three touchdown rushing game if that flips a little bit more he throws some more touchdowns we're going to see a blow up spot from Dallas like we have never seen before so I think I'm looking at these Dallas guys outside of Amari Cooper none of them project for like hardly any ownership and I just don't get it I'll be playing a ton of CD Lamb and Michael Gallup versus the field. I think both are in play last week. I wasn't on Gallup and that burned me, but this week it, it appears I have a chance to go back to the well at low ownership. So I'll be playing both of those guys in a ton of Dak Prescott stacks. And I think it's also worth pointing out that, you know, Matt, they've allowed a ton of yards defensive. They, yeah. they, they haven't been able to stop opposing teams, right? Matt, listen to these game totals just to kind of uh, expand on what Kyle was saying. Loss, 31-38, 69 total points. Win, 40-39, all of these in regulation. 40-39, 79 total points. Uh, And then they lost to the Rams, 17-20, only 37 total points. Understandable, that was ugly. But you, you have to assume that with the Cowboys' inability to slow down opposing passing games, and they've allowed 113-plus run rushing yards in all three games this year, you, you have to assume that you're just going to see opposing offenses get opportunities as well, making the Cowboys and opposing teams just really good prospective game stacks each week. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a point you brought up with Seattle that I just want to kind of turn back to with the Cowboys. It's we're, we're three games in the year. The Cowboys have played the Rams, the Falcons, and the Seahawks. We, we talked about the Seahawks opponents so far. Those are three of the best offenses in the NFL. Now they get the Browns. I think there's a possibility. I don't know if it's a strong one or not that maybe we're just overvaluing or overrating the offenses of some of these teams. Perhaps it's, you know, the defense as far as Seattle's case, having faced those great offenses, Cleveland likes to run the ball. They like to play slow football. I actually bet the under when this game opened because of the way Cleveland plays. Now, will Cleveland probably come in there, score a decent amount of points? Yes. I think they're arguably the best defense Dallas has faced to this point, and they're the slowest team and the run-heaviest team by far. So while I the ownership is certainly going to have me in on stacks, I question some of the overall upside with these games just because of the small sample we've been dealing with. Yeah. Look, very fair point, and that's – on Monday's show, Adam Scher and Josh Ingleman and I talked about how projecting game scripts can be useless at times because you might have a competitive spot, and you're right. They love to run the football. They're forced to run the football, or not forced to run the football, but they want to run the football in a close enough game where they can just feed Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt and, and keep Baker Mayfield from making too many disastrous mistakes. On the other hand, if, if Dallas goes up early – 
uh, because their offense has been spectacular this season, then maybe Baker Mayfield's forced to throw. So um, I don't know, Kyle, sometimes this, this just poses an opportunity for me to, to find, and you, you, I know you can't get pieces. You can't get every piece of every game. Uh, and sometimes you have to try and predict. I don't know. I've been told if you build 150, you just lock it in. You've got every play. <laughs> every combination, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. All, all one point, whatever million possible, billions of combinations, honestly. And you just play 150 and you've got all your bases covered. That's what I've been told at least exactly. by Twitter. Or from yeah. those same people that you just have to play 300 lineups. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what they all do to win now, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. But uh, – I do like getting pieces of this. Ezekiel Elliott's popular. Um, like you said, Dallas, very, very uh, less popular on this slate. What What if it turns out that this just turns into a game where both teams dominate on the ground, Kyle? Like that's, they, they both have elite running backs on both sides of this one. There's so many different ways the, the, a game like this can shake out. And I think we can say the same uh, for, for a bunch of other spots. Like with, Let's actually turn the page just for a moment to Detroit. I don't think Detroit is positioned to dominate on the ground. Adrian Peterson's been fine, but it's it's tough for me to believe that that's a spot where when all is said and done, if Detroit only loses by a field goal, it's because of Adrian Peterson and Curry and Johnson. So there are different games that we project to play differently, but uh, Dallas and Cleveland is certainly one that, that could go a multitude of directions. Yeah, you talk about Detroit, and I was talking uh, to Matt before the show started, and we were talking about the, the show title being stacks, and he's like, are all these stacks? And I said, I don't know. I'm probably not stacking uh, Alvin Kamara Drew Brees. Drew Brees looks dusty and old. I don't want to play him. He's not at home. He still plays indoors. What is he? He's under, six, he's under 6K. He plays indoors still. He is on the road, but he does get to play in the lines indoors. His number one target, Michael Thomas, should be coming back. The opposing team, I'm not afraid of their defense, and they have an easy target to run back in Kenny Galladay. Are we going to be looking back and saying, well, I don't know how Drew Brees' season turned out, but that one Detroit game was an absolute smash. I think it's not impossible. I think this game is probably fairly interesting relative to how few people seem to be interested in stacking it. Michael Thomas and Alvin are expensive, but uh, they're probably worth the cost in some sense. And their quarterback, because you have like, obviously you're stacking with your quarterback, their quarterback is so cheap and it gets you off of a ton of popular expensive plays that stacking them might not be absolutely crazy. So I, I, I'm interested in this spot. Matt kind of talked me onto it after me kind of ragging on Drew Brees looking dusty and old and, you know, eh. Yeah, Matt, did you see the graphic at the beginning of this Sunday night football game about Drew Brees's a dot over the past six years that it's been bottom four in the league uh, and last in the last three seasons, something crazy like that. Yet he still manages to, to, to do enough. I I'm with Kyle. He does look, as he said, dusty and old. He, he doesn't, he does not look like prime Drew Brees by any stretch at all. But um, what was it about this that had you talking to, uh, Kyle onto this game? just strictly looking at the ownership projections and Drew Brees isn't really doing anything different than he's been doing the last couple of years. You, you just talked about the graphic. I, I didn't see it, but I mean, if you, if you've been following Drew Brees' career, you know, his completion percentage is very high and you know, his A dot is very low right now. He's lacking a little bit in the completion percentage category, but Detroit is not a formidable defense. I do think Alvin Kamara is stackable with, with Drew Brees. He is the leading receiver right now. And he, as long as my, we don't know Michael Thomas status yet, it looks like he could be back. So this is all contingent on what Michael Thomas does. But if Thomas is out, 
Kamara is very clearly his number one wide receiver. So there is stacking potential there. And obviously if Thomas plays, that's a, a stack you want. Yeah. And if you just take a, a very basic look on the season uh, at targets, well, Alvin Kamara is fifth in the league in targets. So I, well, one, two, three. Yeah. Fifth in the league, not, not at his position. He's fifth in the entire league. Uh, and those are, those are very reliable receptions too. You know, he's, he's been targeted, what, 37 times, 31 times he has 27 receptions. So even if you're not stacking him with Drew Brees, one thing you can pretty much assure yourself of is that he's going to give you a touchdown or more in receptions alone, even if he gains zero yards. Uh, and that's valuable to me, Matt. What about what about Stafford on the other side? He got Kenny Galladay back last week. Not a spectacular game, but uh, you know, kind of picking up where he left off in 2019. Found the end zone right away. His first game back. Stafford hasn't had that breakout game yet. But Kyle and I talked about it last week. This guy was on pace for 5,000 yards and almost 40 touchdowns last year. My assumption is that in order to stay competitive, they're going to have to throw. And well, interceptions are only worth uh, minus one point. So I, I can't put too much weight on that. And he also is on a team. So I'm not trying to sell anyone here. I'm just giving you my exp my reasoning for it. He's on a team that has really three guys that they're going to throw the football to. And I, I kind of love these spots at low ownership because Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and, and, and um, TJ Hawkinson are the three guys that are really going to soak up the majority of opportunities when they're healthy. If they're going to come in super low owned, and I know that I don't have to get one guy out of five right or out of six right, and they don't have a really stout run game, this is kind of a spot that I'm willing to take chances on because I don't need to get nearly as much right. I just need to get the fact that they score points right, and it's probably going to be able to parlay that into points for whoever I roster, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I'm slightly interested in the Matthew Stafford call. This is a really interesting situation to me. I've been trying to figure out this New Orleans defense. It's a defense that I really expected to be solid coming into the year. They have three solid corners. They have a couple of solid safeties, and they have a good pass rush. When you look at passer ratings allowed, the only one below 100 is Janaris Jenkins. So why is that? Is it because they faced a lot of really good opponents? I mean, they faced Tom Brady, Derek Carr, and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think you can make that case at this point. So, you know, at this point, it's starting to become a trend and not a blip on the radar, which has me at least interested in Matthew Stafford in a game environment that should be conducive to passing. How about you, Kyle? Um, do you guys, uh, let, let's let's talk about pivots for a minute here. I think we've already done a lot of, of, of pivots. Um, so, like, at quarterback position, we'll, I don't think we need to talk much more about that. We already hit on those. Uh, running backs, we talked about a lot of mid-range guys. Any other low on running backs right now that, that stand out to you, Kyle? Yeah, I would say in terms of running back, I'm still more inclined to go with the uh, the chalkier plays outside of David Johnson, whose ownership is just, you know, through the roof. I would say I'd more look to make my pivots at wide receiver, although I do like Drake. I don't hate Mixon. He's given up some of the receive a decent amount of the receiving work to Giovanni Bernard, but he's still getting a handful of targets on a team that wants to throw a ton. And I don't hate like they, uh, like the opponent is a good matchup this week, finally. So I would say those two guys, I think you can get a lot of, maybe not all of, but a lot of the backfield touches, especially almost all of the backfield carries between those two guys. And they set up in spots that aren't nearly as bad as previous weeks for those players. So outside of the top guys, 
I like Alvin Kamara. I like Zeke. I think those are both good plays. Mike Davis playing the Christian McCaffrey role better than Christian McCaffrey did. I would say my biggest two pivots would be moving down to, I think Jonathan Taylor kind of falls in that same range. These guys who, if the game script breaks right for them, they're going to have monstrous games on the ground, unless, of course, your defense scores two touchdowns, in which case Jonathan Taylor's defense did. But largely speaking, as long as they're in competitive games, not getting blown out, I think you get 80 plus percent of the backfield carries. I thought this is super interesting. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 56% of the team's carries in the second two weeks of the season. Obviously, the first week we had a little bit of Marlon Mack. That's only in the entire game. In the first half of games, over 75% of the backfield carries. The only reason we haven't seen Jonathan Taylor blow up yet is his team is too good. I don't think that's going to be the case this week. Doesn't get to play the Jets. So for me, I like some of these guys who they're, they're more between the tackles bangers, but the ownership coming on them does reflect that, maybe even over-reflect that. How about you, Matt? Uh, can you remind me which game was canceled? Was it the Pittsburgh or postponed? Was it the Pittsburgh game or the Minnesota game? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay. Um, I think you... Sorry, just a side note. I was interesting to, interested to see if we lost any running backs there. But I think you still want to look at some of these guys that are leading the NFL in touches. The prices are not going to be as good as some of the cheaper value we have. But Josh Jacobs, 26 opportunities per game. Austin Eckler, right now he's, he's seventh in the NFL in touches overall. Now he's in a timeshare. Right now he's projected for less than 1% ownership. Against Tampa Bay, who was a strong run defense, and he's in a timeshare, which people don't like. But people forget Los Angeles is third in the NFL in plays right now. These teams like Arizona, Los Angeles, I think a lot of times their ownership is driven down because people perceive some sort of a timeshare. And they forget that the offense is so strong overall and running so, so many plays. It's not conceivable for Eckler or Drake, for that matter, to even be on the field for that many plays. They're just naturally going to seed some work. You have Eckler over 20 opportunities per game. And Justin Herbert is targeting the running back position over 20% of the time. This is not the Tyrod Taylor offense we expected. So those are two guys I would really like to take a stab at the low ownership. I'll throw, he's not low owned, but I actually think he's going to be lower owned than he should. And I'm, I'm saying this strictly because in relation to uh, David Johnson at almost identical price points, I don't think there should be this much of a disparity or this much of a gap in ownership between David Johnson and um, and Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon has seen 17, 16, and 19 carries over his first three games. He's got 52 attempts. He's averaging three targets a game as well. He's been dismal, right? Like he's been horrible. That the, the run blocking has really done him no favors. Uh, and I know Jacksonville has done a decent job of slowing down opposing run games, but uh, he's also played in in, in spots that that haven't been particularly favorable to him at least Cleveland he got from, uh, he was playing from behind and they abandoned it a little bit towards the end of the game David Johnson hasn't been great he's got a much better matchup so I get that but if Joe Mixon's going to be 15 percent and Johnson's going to be 45 percent or whatever it is uh, I will happily take some shots on Joe Mixon uh, against the Jacksonville team where I definitely think Cincinnati can be playing with the lead uh, in this game by the way uh, for those of you guys that are still getting in on basketball, we've got an amazing promo right now uh, for the rest of the, for, for the rest of the finals. The awesome plus weekly pass is uh, $5 with the promo code Orlando. It's the first inaugural finals inside the bubble. We're giving away or we're not giving away. Sorry. Well, basically we are It's a $5 awesome plus weekly NBA pass for the NBA finals 
when you use the promo code Orlando, it's $10 off the original price. So it's super cheap uh, and, and it's well worth it. You're getting the showdown projections, the ownership projections, uh, and everything else that we have on the site for these showdowns. Monster, monster prize pools on DraftKings, on FanDuel. Uh, showdown is, is becoming a massive trend now. They're, they're exploding in football uh, and in basketball. These final showdowns are going to be paying out an insane amount of money. I think we have a Millie maker tonight. So uh, jump in on that. It's $5 when you use the promo code Orlando. And we're doing an awesome giveaway. If you haven't jumped in on this yet, you really should get in on it right now. All you have to do is go to awesomeo underscore com. Check out the pinned tweet. We're giving away an awesomeo. Here we go. An awesomeo plus $1,000 premium, or sorry, platinum yearly pass. Awesomeo plus platinum yearly pass. It's a $1,000 value. It's everything on the site for an entire year. Ownership, projections, um, the lineup builder, You'd still have to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on. We have no control over that. But all of our premium articles, all of Alex Baker, number one ranked DFS player in the world, all of his premium tools that have made him as good as he is, $7.3 million in profit. Uh, you can look that up. Verifiable stuff. Same tools that he uses, we have on the site. So why not check it out? Uh, all you have to do is like the tweet, follow awesomeo underscore com, and correctly predict how many points will be in the Lakers or the Lakers will score in game one. Just go to the just go to Twitter, check it out. You'll figure out how to do it. Uh, and if you just want to get an awesomeo weekly pass or you want to get a monthly uh, or a yearly and you don't want to you know throw your hat into the ring thinking that you're not going to win, go to awesomeo.com slash join. We get something for everyone. We even are giving away all of our showdown content for NFL in the awesomeo plus weekly pass now which is only $3.95 a week. So all of our showdown content for the rest of the season will be included in that Awesome o Plus Weekly for less than $4 a week. There's something for everyone, no matter what your budget is. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. Check that out today. Uh, oh, and, and, and hop in our premium Slack chat when you do. Uh, talking DFS and sports and sports betting all day long. Uh, great community over there. Loving the same stuff that we love and talking about the same stuff that we want to talk about every single day. All right, guys. Let's... um. Let's talk about wide receivers here for a minute. Anybody that's popping at you or popping for you, Matt, that's just getting no ownership whatsoever or just low ownership. Yeah. I need you to talk me off a ledge here. It's uh, <laughs> so we've, we've been here before, man. We've been down the Sammy Watkins rabbit hole a few times. Yes. We, we get Sammy Watkins, one of the highest team totals on the board coming in sub 5% ownership missed part of week two, but weeks one and three, 23% target share for Sammy Watkins. He's 4.4K. I've made this mistake about, seems like 20 times. Is this a trap? Sammy Watkins has burned me more than I think most players in the league. Same. Uh, well, you know what? We can, we can do this. We can, we can throw this over to Kyle. Uh, Kyle, Sammy Watkins has always, remember week one of last season? Like if you didn't have Sammy Watkins last year in week one, you weren't winning anything, at least not anything significant. Now he fell off after that. He got hurt, dealt with some injuries. Uh, he has been targeted. He has, he has been getting some looks inside the red zone, though, which is encouraging to me. He got a couple against Baltimore. Uh, and at least Mahomes is willing to look his way in that respect. H how do you break down this spot against the Patriots defense for Watkins? You can be the tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I'm on. I'm on board. Are we? Is anyone here not going to Sammy Watkins? You said. Are you concerned with Sammy Watkins? I'm going in. I, I'm. 
I put my hand in the bear trap before. It's covered in honey. I'm going back one more time, baby. <laughs> Give me more Sammy Watkins. And we talk about a tough New England defense, but they did have some opt-outs. We've seen teams put up points against them. And we talk about the – they did it. They did it in week three. They took away the opposing top option. Sammy Watkins is not the top option. He's not the second option. You could argue Clyde Ertz-Hilaire would even be a guy they could potentially take away over – over Sammy Watkins. He's not going to get the same defensive looks that Tyreek Hill gets. He's getting targets from Patrick Mahomes. He's getting red zone looks from Patrick Mahomes. He's no ownership or low ownership, and he's super cheap. I just don't get, uh, like, I get it. He's burned us. We have to push that to the back, deep, dark recesses of our mind. One more time, Sammy Watkins, baby. Let's do it. What do we What do we make of this Patriots defense right now, right? Like, are they, are they set to rebound? Should we be legitimately concerned about the what they've got at the uh, on the defensive line uh, linebackers is is this an issue for a team that uh, has been carved up on the ground and really I mean look against Miami what they allow like ten points or something eleven points they were fine but in against two teams that have a decent enough rushing game 154 yards to Seattle 126 to Las Vegas uh, and then. Gilmore and Jackson, these guys, I think, are still going to rebound, and it's still going to be a pretty formidable secondary, Matt. But I've had a lot of questions about that. Hey, what do you think of the Patriots' defense through three weeks? Is is most of this just a product of Russell Wilson is carving everyone up right now, and you know he's just a buzzsaw no matter who he faces, and the Patriots are actually still going to be quite fine? Yeah. Did you see this game? Did you see the – the ball that Russell Wilson delivered to DK Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, like I watched all of it. it since, um, I, that's why I'm asking you the question. I mean, Gilmore was right there. I, he, that ball was literally in the only place Gilmore could not have defended it. So I, I tend to think these things will normalize over time. The, that ball that Russell Wilson delivered over Gilmore was just amazing. And you mentioned their defensive line. It is significantly worse this year. They lost not only to Optus, they lost some significant role players like, like Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy, you're probably like, okay, he's not an all-pro or anything like that. But he does play a lot of snaps for this team, and he plays a significant role. A he had a great had game on Thursday against Jacksonville, man. He was everywhere. So they, they lost to Landon Roberts. They did lose some guys on this defense, not only to opt-outs, through free agency as well. It's not the Patriots defense we saw last year, which probably – they were going to take a step back. As, as far as Gilmore goes, I still think Gilmore is a fantastic player. So maybe they're more of a middle-of-the-pack defense. Okay. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. We haven't really talked much tight ends, Kyle. Um, give, me your, give me your wide receiver here that at the moment is being overlooked. And then we'll spend a quick second on tight ends and close it out with our favorite stacks for the week four. Yeah, so we talked about this game, so I won't, you know, belabor it, but Tyler Boyd, 13 targets, looks to be, at least, it's a one-game sample, but looks to be the top option for Joe Burrow, or at least the 1A to maybe T. Higgins now 1B. I can't go back to A.J. Green. I can't do it with these old guys anymore. Dude, I get I'm it. so disappointed. So <laughs> disappointed. But he just looks like, a, I don't know, he's just not A.J. Green. He's not A.J. Green. He's some random, he's like Demir Bird or whatever. I don't know. So it just hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. But but now we know. Now we know that Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are going to get a ton of targets from a team that is passing at a second league highest rate or league highest total, at least. 
60, 60 some attempts in week two, 47, I believe, in week three, or maybe it's like 45. They're averaging 47 attempts per game. And Tyler Boyd is a guy who he needs the targets to get there. Now they're going to be there because he's not a guy who's going to go, you know, a 50 yard down the field catch. He's just going to operate out of the slot. But if they are ratcheting up their attempts in every single game, I'm going to be all in on Tyler Boyd, who's getting, I think, like around 1% ownership right now. It seems quite small for a guy who has 10 plus catch, 100 yard, and touchdown upside. All right, I got to ask you guys about one more from Kansas City, and it's not Sammy Watkins. Tyreek Hill, um, 5.9% at the moment. Now, we just talked about how we all believe the Patriots are going to be able to really solidify and sturdy up that, that, that secondary, and maybe their pass coverage will buoy their offense as a whole. But, Matt, Tyreek Hill is sub-7K. Uh, if I recall correctly, and, and correct me if you know this and I'm wrong, I feel like I feel like Bilicek has never been able to stop Tyreek Hill uh, because of his speed. And I'm checking now. I could be completely wrong. Uh, okay, he did there. Now, seven for 142 and three a couple of years ago, seven for 133 and one. So Tyreek Hill has had some explosive games against the New England Patriots. Is he just the type of receiver that can get behind defenses no matter what you do? And given the amount of weapons, the bevy of weapons on this Chiefs team, as much as Belichick wants to take him away, you still have to worry about Kelsey edwards Lair. You still have to worry about Watkins. You still have to worry even about the speed they have in a McCall Hardman. Uh, is this too cheap for, for Tyree Kill in any spot, just given his upside in tournaments? It is, and I believe he wasn't playing with Patrick Mahomes in that bad game. I think it was the Patrick Mahomes injury. Yeah, that could be very oh, that very you might be, be right. I, I'm not sure on that one, so don't quote me. But No, you are right. Didn't he get hurt against Denver in week three? Um, oh, no, 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 that was week 14. So I think it – I don't know. I, I think it was Mahomes. I'll look, but besides the point, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, either way, they just decimated a much better defense in Baltimore. We saw Tyreek Hill catch a long ball. If they take away Tyreek Hill, how are you going to handle Kelsey? How are you going to handle Clyde Edwards-Slayer out of the backfield? Tyreek Hill at this price is well worth an investment at that low of ownership, for no doubt about it. It, it makes me wonder, too. Uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at Tyreek Hill caught seven passes on nine targets, 66 yards. Uh, Hill has quite a bit of success against the Patriots in the past, but it, which could account for New England defense bracketing him in coverage this game and not letting him see one one-on-one uh, -on -one coverage downfield. If that is the case, again, as we transition to tight ends for a moment, Kyle, do we need to be having a serious conversation about how much Travis Kelsey needs to be in our player pools? Yeah, I think you should always have that conversation. Yeah, that conversation <laughs> with any guy who's getting targets from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Any guy who projects for like 0.1 targets from Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, that's maybe a touchdown. That's maybe two touchdowns. Maybe he catches two on the one Patrick Mahomes throw. I don't know. The guy does crazy things. If Travis Kelsey is going to get a majority, a plurality of the targets on – in this game, a game environment that looks great, the Patriots defense, I, I think, yeah, they'll probably be a top 10 unit going forward. Although this game, I like Patrick Holmes doesn't care about your defense. We saw it versus the Ravens. Literally, the dude just doesn't care. Him, Russell Wilson, maybe you can't put Dak Prescott in, in that tier. Maybe you can't put Lamar Jackson. I don't know. But him and Russell Wilson, defense just does not matter for these guys. They're going to carve up anybody they choose to destroy. They look at them. They throw touchdowns. They just don't care. 
I would say the Patriots probably a top 10 defense after this week, but they're not even a, like, they're not this top one defense, they're not this elite defense that they were. Like last year was an all time incredible performance from them. That was going to come back to earth anyways. Looks like it's happening in a fairly significant way. So yeah, Travis Kelsey is a guy who I definitely think you should have exposure to. I will say Mark Andrews, I believe is 800 less. He's 6K and he's coming in with fairly low ownership. We talked about it with Lamar Jackson. If you're going to get Jackson at like one, one, 2% ownership, I am totally buying the dip. It's one bad game. We know, as you said, you laid it out. The same argument that applies for Jackson applies for all of the Ravens. People are overreacting to one bad game, and it was not a good game. I don't think he played particularly well. I just don't care. We have a larger sample in Jackson and this whole offense being dumb, explosive, capable of putting up three, four, five touchdowns. I'm buying the dip on Mark Andrews. I don't think Travis Kelsey is a bad play, but I do love the pivot for a cheaper, a slightly cheaper price, and the ownership discount is going to be massive. Okay. Some stacks here. We'll get out of here in just a minute. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And remember, stick around throughout the day. We've got a lot of shows coming up. Basketball NBA Finals are finally here. You've got uh, Adam and Greg Ehrenberg live before lock tonight, 8 p.m., taking you all the way up to 9 p.m. You've got the MMA Strategy Show immediately before that with Jason Floyd and Pete Rogers, Uh, Jason Ruslan and Ben Rossa with PGA live before lock. Um, there's so much going on here. So uh, stick around. Baseball is already happening, just locked right now. Uh, but if you want to go back and check that strategy show out for some later lock times, you can do that as well. Uh, all right. right, let's. So right now with our top stack tool, the top projected own stacks are Houston, New England, which has a lot to do with the pricing there, Dallas, Kansas City, Arizona. They're, they're kind of flat. And then you get down into some lesser ones. Detroit, I mentioned, uh, I definitely have some more interest there than you guys do. Baltimore, are we just talking Lamar Jackson? Are we talking the whole stack? Anyway, 1.1% projected ownership for Jackson. There are a number of teams down here that are just getting vastly overlooked and and I think undervalued. Matt, who do we look to to get away from the chalk? And maybe, maybe maybe it's even just stacking the team uh, that's facing the very chalky offense and running it back with, you know, a chalky receiver from that opposing team where the whole team is popular. We talked about that with Detroit last week. Didn't pan out, but um, it's still a process and a strategy that can work very often. There's plenty of options for stacking. Just a, a couple that are coming in with surprisingly low ownership. You still can get a Josh Allen stack, which is just shockingly low for, for him and as productive as he's been. He's priced up now, which might be part of the reason. You mentioned Stafford, and I still see Joe Burrow coming in just egregiously low as far as ownership. We're talking about a guy that passes nearly 50 times a game. Much better matchup against Jacksonville. So there is a chance they run, but they haven't really shown that in the past. And then you get a little bit of rushing chops with Joe Burrow. He offers you that sort of Josh Allen-esque rushing upside. It's not a lot. 40 yards, though, that's a passing touchdown. So I'm certainly interested in Joe Burrow as another cheap stack. All right. Yeah, I, I'm 100% on board with that. He's going hugely overlooked. And I think a lot of that is because his price has come up to a point where he's not super cheap, but he's also not super expensive, kind of in that no man's land uh, at the quarterback position. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, we talked about it before, so I won't go too heavy on it. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, the dude has so immense upside and downside, like you said. But I don't care, like the difference between like 
uh, an 80th percentile outcome and a like zeroth percentile, like the worst lineup is almost nothing. I want to go from a very good 80th percentile outcome to a 99th percentile outcome. Fitzpatrick versus Seattle defense that's been carved up and a Seattle offense that's going to put up points. I love the run backs on the other side. They're fairly obvious. And you talked about this briefly, and I just want to double down. It's so different it's so different to see or so unique to see a team that you can so easily predict where their targets are going to go that means if you hit their stack correctly you don't like if you hit the if you hit the cowboys stack last week i felt very confident that dak prescott throws multiple touchdowns my amari cooper and cd lamb stacks are lighting up the world i didn't realize i needed to have cedric wilson in yeah. terms of the seattle stack and even fairly so in uh, like Devonte parker run back with ryan Fitzpatrick. If he goes off, I feel fairly confident saying Ryan Fitzpatrick probably had a good game. And if his opponents go off, it's almost certainly Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf. So if the game stack hits, you're probably making the right decisions because there aren't a ton of wrong decisions, unlike Cedric freaking Wilson being the right decision, apparently. Absolutely. See, he was hurt, man. Yeah, I saw I saw that. He's going like he's not um going to miss time this week, but yeah, he played almost no snaps towards the end of the game uh because of that injury, right? Who yeah. was that? CD Lamb got hurt in the game. Yeah, it was like a scary ankle roll up, and they basically, I don't know if they took him out entirely, but it was close to taking him out. He's playing this week, though, isn't he? No injury report yet. Huh. Yeah, I haven't seen seen anything like any we'll rumors on him. I mean, they released their first injury report today. I have this this mm-hmm. net the snaps. He only played on 16 of the final 39 snaps. After he played 33 of 43 to start the game, he didn't play on any of the team's final plays when they were trying to, you know essentially win that game at the end. So he, he wasn't out there at the end after he rolled his ankle on that punt return. Interesting. Well, it's worth paying attention to for sure. Uh, Kyle, what you said about, you know, not needing to worry that if the stack goes off, not needing to worry where the ball is going to go to is precisely what I was talking about earlier when it comes to Detroit. There's a very good chance that this stack just doesn't go anywhere. But if it does, I feel pretty confident that I know where it will go. Now, I thought that about the Bills uh, last week and, you know, I went to creative players. But in, in the case of Detroit, I do think there are, are still opportunities here. And one of the reasons for that is these prices are really, really low. Uh, and it gives me the opportunity to run it back with a Kamara or run it back with a Michael Thomas, two guys that – you know, have the highest concentration of, of volume on almost any team. Like w- what teams can you talk about that can consistently get the ball more to two specific players uh, than the saints with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. So that that's another reason why I, I'm pretty interested in it, but uh, yeah, ultimately Galladay's down to $6,000. That could be a very tough spot. I get that. Although Alan Lazard last week went off, uh, Marvin Jones has dropped below $5,000. Hawkinson also below 5K. So uh, as it stands on a Wednesday, still some time to go. Detroit will be my contrarian stack of the week that's getting basically no ownership. Who's the biggest fade for you guys right now? It's so early. We still have a few days. Who's the biggest fade for you at any position, Matt? Uh, for and me, by fade, I'm sorry. By fade, I don't mean 0%. Uh, I mean, coming in probably significantly under the field. Yes, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's David Johnson. And this ownership probably changes a lot. We don't even know if if Duke Johnson's going to play right now. He looked like he could suit up last week. I think there's a better chance this week. So we, we flat out don't know. This could be a completely obsolete take on Friday. But at 42% ownership for David Johnson, it's just egregious considering the other options within the price range. Kyle? 
Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna be any different than Matt here. It's the the options, the opportunity cost is so high because there are so many other good running backs who are going to come in at such significantly reduced ownership that I don't feel the need to go with the field on David Johnson. I don't think he's a bad play. I just don't get why I wouldn't pivot for the ownership reasons. Yeah, I wanted to go with that too. Uh, I think I'll probably <laughs> I- I'm gonna go with Harry just to to mix things up a little bit. If Nikhil Harry comes in at 25 percent. Uh, I am more than willing to get away from that. To me, it's 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 simple enough. Uh, he's he's been okay. He's he's getting what is it a twenty four percent market share? I think of targets, which is is fine. I have nothing. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but maybe we're undervaluing Kansas City's defense a little bit here too. They have stymied uh, opposing offenses. They've shut down Lamar Jackson on multiple occasions, so maybe maybe it's just an outlier. Maybe they just play rushing quarterbacks better than other teams. But uh, I don't I don't go into this thinking that that the Patriots have a particularly easy matchup either. That they've they've looked very good on defense uh, in both phases. So they kill Harry at twenty five percent. I'm good on that. But agree with you guys on David Johnson uh, specifically because there are so many mid range running backs in a similar price point within eight hundred dollars of him that could get similar, if not more volume, may not have the best matchup or the, the best, as good a matchup as him, but just really good spots regardless and a ton of volume. So that'll do it for us. Thanks for you guys for hanging out as always. Before you head out, subscribe, hit that notification bell if you haven't done so yet, and uh, hammer that thumbs up before you walk out the door. Remember, ton of stuff coming up throughout the day on the awesomeo.com YouTube channel and go to awesomeo underscore com. Check out that giveaway, $1,000 Awesome Plus Platinum Yearly. We're giving that away today. All you got to do is follow those rules. And if you haven't done so yet, follow Kyle at Kyle Tweets here, Matt at Kyle, uh, Matt underscore Gajeski, and myself at Lafayette underscore D on the tweet machine. Catch you back here tomorrow on the NFL Strategy Show.